Right now, it's Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. We have Christy Yoder with us today, and she works with Wycliffe in Bible translation and language development. And Christy, first of all, thank you for being here this morning. Love it. Can you tell us kind of the flyover, the big picture of what's going on in Nigeria when it comes to Bible translation and language development? Yeah, well... In Nigeria, we have over 500 languages, so it's the third or fourth most linguistically rich areas in the world. Wow. And then Bible-less people groups, people who have no Bibles, there's still 200 remaining needs, which is mm. the biggest in Africa and the third in the world. And so there's a lot going on in Bible translation. We have 21 different Bible translation organizations in Nigeria. It is the most populated country in Africa. And so there's a lot of people there. And so a lot of languages and a lot of work and a lot of Bible translation organizations. Our organization, we have just over a hundred staff, Nigerian staff and half Nigerian staff, half expatriate staff. Mm -hmm. My husband is the director of our um, Nigerian branch of Wycliffe. And what's happening is that there are over 100 Bible translations in progress. Mm. And like I said, still 200 in need. And so we're part of that between 30 to 50 languages in any given year. We're part of helping bring services. So whether that's Mm. helping record audio scriptures or to run songwriting workshops or train children's ministers or work with farmers or work in clusters of teams of languages to help them translate or work out their writing system or doing literacy. So the language development part, like we don't even, it's so foreign to us, literally foreign to us, that we don't even think about the fact that before you can translate a language, you have to decipher that language. Like they have to have an alphabet in order Mm -hmm. for you to even you know, make words that you can write on paper. We don't even think about it in America with what, like, I don't know how many translations we have in English. We don't think about it. But the person in a village in Nigeria who's never heard God speak their language, and when they are given a book, they're like, what? I can't read my language. It's so hard. For that person, um, when they finally do either learn to read or they hear Yeah. The Bible and their language for the first time. I have one friend who she gave her mother, who's from another majority religion, the Bible in her language on a memory card. So to put in her phone and makes it real accessible. And so she was listening to the Bible in her language. And my friend came back to me and said, my mother says that when she's listening to that, that audio Bible, that it's like her father is speaking to her, her fathers, the the people that are to be trusted. And not only that, the woman had had, because there's so few Christians in this people group, she knows the Christians personally. Mm-hmm. And she said, and not only that, but I know their names and I know who they are and I know that they're trustworthy. And I know when I hear that, it's the truth. Mm-hmm. That happens over and over. I'll be at a, like, uh, there's a fire and they're selling food. It's Nigerian fast food. On the side of the road. (laughs) Fried food. How do you describe these things? So I'm sitting around on a makeshift bench with other people and I say, hey, what's your language? And they'll tell me their language. I'll quick look for it. Look for that audio. Mm -hmm. And then I'll say, hey, do you can you hear this? And they fix their eyes. Usually they're looking down, listening. And then they shoot their heads at me. They look at my phone. They say, you speak my language? Mm -hmm. Well, no. 
but God speaks your language. Yeah. And sometimes they'll just snatch my phone. They'll just, and they, I'm gone. They are ignoring me completely and they're listening. And not only they're listening, they're responding. It's because most, so much of Africa and actually the world, like 70% of the world is oral. So they're mm-hmm. listening and then they're responding to the word yeah. of God. So yeah. like, like as if they're in conversation with Jesus, yeah. right? Like, mm, mm-hmm, eh, mm. <laughs> it's just, it, it's, it's so moving because how I wish that every time I picked up the word of God, I was that responsive to yes. him, but it's their father speaking. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. And, and the word of God is, as it says, the word of God talks about itself. The word of God is living and active. Mm-hmm. So when we think of missionaries or Jesus messengers, as I like to call them, In Nigeria, we think of just us, you know, white people coming from America to Nigeria, but that's Mm -hmm. not the case. It's not the case. And um, that's a beautiful thing God's doing around the world globally. Um, And in Nigeria, we have 23 Nigerian missionaries that are part of our group. And it's been really exciting to watch their faith journeys. They have, for example, we have one brother, his name is Richard. And Richard is from a majority language. He's Igbo, so that's one of the big three. And Richard, when he was in college or university, he he was praying the Lord's Prayer in his mother tongue, and he found out that there are people who all they have is the Lord's Prayer in their language. Mm-hmm. And Igbo has had a very rich Bible translation, like a very old Bible translation tradition. So they've had the Bible for quite a long time. And he said, no. That is not okay (laughs) that people don't have. They don't have the full message of the gospel. And so he has joined our group and he's now working in a village area with his wife um, doing Bible translation Mm -hmm. in that area. And yeah, and we have we have Pelumi. Pelumi was on her way to being a lawyer, which is like every parent's dream in Nigeria: <laughs> be a lawyer, be a doctor. And she was right in there, and she was at the top of her class. And well, like many of our colleagues, many of our Nigerian colleagues, that is the case. They are bright, intelligent, educated people. Well, Pelumi was no exception. But when she applied to the law program, she didn't get in. And they and often in Nigeria, they'll just stick you into where they have slots. Gotcha. So she ended up in linguistics. She's like, what? She didn't want to be there. After being in the classes for a while, she was intrigued. Bright minds often are intrigued with linguistics, like just fascinated with how it all works and goes together. It's a big puzzle. And then she got notice that she has been accepted into the law, oh, <laughs> into wow. the law program. But God had redirected her, and she's working uh, with several language groups doing translation, too. So how many languages still need to be translated in Nigeria? Yeah, there's still 200 that have not yet been started that need it. That's not as many that don't have it because some don't need it. Their languages are dying or they're transitioning into majority languages, but 200 still need it. Mm -hmm. And there are 100 in progress. So 200 languages still... And these are people who haven't yet heard the gospel in many cases. Right. And so, but when I hear you talk and when I watch you speak, you, you get teared up. Yes. There, there is, there's emotion. What, what's, what's underneath that? Underneath the emotion that I have is um, when I think about the people groups, when I think about walking down a village street and I greet an old ma in her language, because I have asked somebody, well, how do I say it? 
and I greet her and the stern face that was slumped over sitting on a stone, her head goes up and I see and her face brightens. And I think that greeting just gave us a connection. But how much more deeply beautiful is it when she hears God saying, I loved you so much that I sent my son in the language that she deeply understands. See, people, many people in Nigeria have heard the gospel, but it's like if you hear the gospel like this, Yesu, yana son dunia, so say that he came. Domin muna bukata, Jesus. He is the savior, dudukan dunia. Isn't that good news to you? It's, it's not good news right, to you, it's right? It's not good news because you've only partly heard it because yeah. it's not in the language that, that penetrates. And like you were saying earlier, God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And the, the activity comes when it's brought to you in a way that you can receive it. And yeah. language is part of that. Yeah. And so that's why I get excited and passionate because I've seen it. I've seen it over and over and again. I've seen pastors stand up in front of a church and say, pastors who've been through seminary, who've been preaching to their churches, and they hear a word from Ephesians in their language, and they stand up and say, I never understood that until today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they can bring it to their people because now they get it. Yeah. And it was because it was in the language that they understand. And there are 200 languages that you guys want to translate. And we would love to invite you into being a part of seeing that happen by supporting you guys. And so you can connect directly with Christy. Christy underscore Yoder at Wycliffe.org. And that's going to get them directly to you, Christy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You want to connect with Christy and you want to be a part of the passion that she just shared with us and what God is doing because he is on the move. Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y underscore Yoder, Y-O-D-E-R at Wycliffe.org. All of our Nigerian colleagues have relationships in their churches and their communities. And so when one of your own comes, there can be different responses. Either say, who is he? I've seen him grow up from a babe. But it it can also be, this is one of our own. And Nigerians have a very um, strong sense of of community. Mm -hmm. And so one of our brothers, he came from the Northeast. So the Northeast is a conflict area and he has experienced, you know, his neighbors turning against him, the persecution that comes, the fires, you know, where you have to flee your house and your place. And he found himself working with us. And because of his, his experience, his, he comes from a farming culture. In fact, if you hear, if you talk to Nigerians, they'll tell you every, every Nigerian's a farmer because they plot, they like will farm the, you know, the narrow strip of one foot alongside the road to grow food. So everyone's a farmer, wow. even in the city of like, I live in a city of 1 million. There's nothing that isn't farmed. So he came to Joss and joined our group and he has partnered with one of our one of our expatriate missionaries from the UK and they together have have made this amazing program called Faith in Farming and so they um one of the big churches or denominations heard about faith and farming they went and they did a presentation there um our brother did a presentation there and again he's experienced this conflict of farmers with terrorist groups and the the conflict that comes from that. And so he can very clearly speak to God's call of peace and God's call of love and how, um, but also farming is considered a curse. 
in Nigeria, you know, because God cursed the, the ground. ground. In, in the faith and farming workshops over and over again, after they've done their presentation, as they point out how Jacob and Abraham and, and Job, and they were all farmers and they were all blessed by God and God loved them. And farmers come out of that with a new freedom that they too were loved by God and that they, and that God is blessing, God is blessing them. And so we encourage pastors to do farm blessings. And mm. once I went to a I went to one of these introductions to faith and farming in a community. And I, what I really wanted to do was for them to sing one of their farming songs, but bring scripture into it. So I gathered some of the farmers that were there and we went back in an office and I said, listen, do you have any farming songs? Well, every community has farming songs. They farm and they sing. Mm-hmm. So I said, can you sing one of those farming songs? And they brought out the song. I said, that's beautiful. I said, here's a verse. Can you, can you use these words in your language and put them into that song? Mm-hmm. And they looked at each each other and Nigerians are beautiful because when they feel a little uncomfortable, they laugh. So they're all laughing. I'm like, okay, all right. So then they start. One of them gets brave enough, just starts singing the words of scripture in their language to this tune and this rhythm. Mm. And after he starts, all of the other farmers, because they know this song, that's the beauty of songs in their language and in their cultural styles that it, it catches and it's just mm. part of them. So they all start singing it. And before you know it, they're all dancing and they're moving and they have their mm. farming song. So we walk back out into this big hall with all these people there and I introduce them. They walk up and they start singing. And at first people look at each other, they start smiling. Then they start standing up and they're all, they, and then they all start singing and dancing, doing the motions that go along with this farming song in their language with scripture infused in something that's common and known to them. And every farmer that walks out of there, many, many times people come up to them and said, I never knew that God loves, that he blesses me. And now I can go forth in that blessing and and bless others because I I too am blessed. And to know that, to know that God knows you and sees you and and loves your profession and loves what you do is very, is Mm -hmm. exciting. So our Nigerian colleagues are part of, of that, that brother's part of that. And they're the amazing thing to me about our Nigerian colleagues, our Nigerian missionary staff, is that they are asking their churches to be part of supporting them financially. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge thing because people look at them like, well, what are you doing? Are you working? Like, what are you doing? You know, and it's a real step of faith because also their families who have put them through school are looking to them as well. Mm-hmm. And so I am challenged. One of the verses that I love, it says, the godly people of the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. That's from Psalm 16. And when I think of my Nigerian colleagues, I think they're, these are the godly people that are my heroes because I see them stepping on in faith day after day after day and serving their people because they can't, they can't walk away from the need. And I think as Christians in America, we can't walk away from the need either. We can't walk away from the 200 Bibleist people groups. We can't walk away from that. If we don't have our Nigerian colleagues on the field that are fully funded so that they can do the work that God has called them to do, then this great task that is before us will be very, very difficult because they're providing the human resources that we need to reach the people. Yeah. Well, we feel your passion and it's God so loved the world beats in your heart, Christy. And Amen. there are 200 Bibleist languages in Nigeria that still need to be translated and the gospel still needs to be heard in 200 languages. And we would love for you to be a part of this mm-hmm. and just get a hold of Christy 
and any money that you can give will go to the larger work of reaching these 200 Bibleist languages. I urge you, I plead with you to be a part of this, bringing the gospel and bringing the love of God. We want the love of God to be poured into the hearts of these Nigerians who have yet to hear the gospel because they don't have the word in their language. The Mm. love of God has been poured into your heart through the Holy Spirit. We want that to happen for them. Mm. And so, Christy under slash Yoder at Wycliffe.org. There is in the Bible an encounter um, that the disciples had with Jesus. And so often we talk about the Bible and we talk about the stories in the Bible. And I just want to be really, really clear. They happened. (laughs) They're stories of actual events. So Jesus sent the disciples on ahead of him on a boat and they were headed to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And he sent them on ahead because he needed to dismiss the people who were gathered there. This is right after he had fed thousands of people. And after doing that, he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. So there was a pretty considerable amount of time that had passed, you know, since he had sent the disciples out onto their journey across the lake. And all of a sudden he's there with them. He's walking on the water and they're freaked out. They're terrified. And Jesus tells them not to be afraid. And then Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water And he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he got afraid again and he began to sink. And so he cries out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? I have always thought that this was a really dumb question by Peter. Lord, if it's you, ask me to come. Now, if it was somebody else, you know, like some imposter spirit, and, you know, the spirit would have said, sure, yeah, come, Peter. Come, you see what I'm saying? Like it yeah. was, it was somebody else. But then, like anybody who could have walked on the water, it would have had us be a supernatural thing. Could have said, "Come to Peter," and he would have drowned. But then I started thinking, my sheep hear my voice. Mm-hmm. When Peter heard Jesus speak, he knew it was Jesus because yeah. he knew Jesus' voice. He knew that voice. Oh, come on, Perry, that is good. There you go. That is so good. That's free of charge, by the way. (laughs) And we learn his voice by spending time with him. That's how we learn his, that's how we learn anybody's voice. They become familiar to us because we listen on a regular basis to that voice. You know, and it just started to make sense. It just made sense to me when I read this, because I I did pre-read what you are sharing today. And so I've always thought about this and it just dawned on me. Boom, there it is. Yeah. Well, I've never been on a boat on a lake and seeing Jesus walking on the water. That's never been my story, my reality. But there have been so many water walking moments in my life. Let me explain. The times when I could see that God was near and I wanted to draw even closer to him. And I sensed that he was inviting me into my own kind of water walking moments. When what God was asking of me seemed so far outside of the realm of possibility for me that I knew there was no way that I could do it. Not on my own anyway. But I could see Jesus in front of me with his hands extended like an invitation, like, come on, you know, and his eyes looking into mine, like every part of him saying, come. And actually, this job was one of those things for me. If you were to look at the qualifications for this job and then you match those against my credentials, there's just no way 
I should be doing this job. They just didn't match. I have to disagree, but yes, go ahead. Well, on paper, it's just true. I mean, I'm, that's not even an interpretation. That's just the facts. Well, yeah, this is a different conversation perhaps, but okay. I think I think there were a lot of things that did qualify you for the job. Things, you know, like cross-training type yeah, things. Yeah, 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 right. Other right. types of experiences. Non-traditional Yeah, you readiness. didn't have the communications degree or the time on the radio or right. s- real narrow things like that. But you were the right person with the right gifts and with the right heart. So at any rate, I hear what you're saying. Thank you for that. But I kind of disagree. for me it was like there's no way this could be me even when jack reached out to me to have the initial conversation with me i wasn't looking for the job i wasn't you know i wasn't looking for anything and and i thought well maybe i can help him to find the right person that's how unqualified i felt but it was like jesus was saying come and i was terrified but he's my jesus (laughs) so i did it afraid i don't know man when we did that mock interview and you and me were on mic and, yep. and, and I remember it well. we were recording it uh-huh. and you asked me a question that basically pinned me to the wall, <laughs> 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 you know, and then Scott and Jack came in here after you left and they said, yeah, it's her. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. And I'm, and I'm so grateful that God has me where he has me today. I really am just, you know, you never know when God gives you an assignment, how long that assignment is going to last, but I'm grateful to be able to do, be doing this right now. But when God said come in regards to this whole thing and how it went down from my perspective, Perry, I climbed out of all that was familiar to me, my circumstances. I shifted all of my weight really into the impossible. And I didn't sink. Only God. I mean, if Jesus is looking into your eyes, you know, if his hands are extended to you and he's inviting you to do something scary, something unfamiliar, something uncertain, you know, Mm -hmm. he's also inviting you to do it with him. He wants you to do it for him and he's going to go with you. He's right here with you right now. So if you even start to sink, just say his name and he'll pull you up just like that. And if you have to call his name a thousand times, do it. If you have to call his name a thousand times today, Today, and I know there are some of you listening, this is your reality right now, struggles with addiction. It's just constant. It's always in front of you, and it feels like you're failing all the time. But what you're doing all the time is you're sinking, and you're calling out to Jesus again and again and again. And God's plan for you is to live beyond your ability. So if your dream for your life is a cakewalk, and you're just like, yeah, no risk involved. I'm just kind of walking this thing out. You are dreaming too small, my friend. Yes. So the first question I would ask is, Lord, is it you? This thing that's way bigger than me, is it you? Is it his dream for you or is it your own dream for you? And if it's God, my friend, step out of the boat. Do it scared, but just do it because God is with you. Live in the moment. I'm sure you've heard that that's a good thing. But what does it mean? For me, it means not living in the past with all its remorse and regrets Mm -hmm. and not living in the future with all of its questions and fears. It's living right now, free to be present tense. But living in the moment is hard because a moment is, well, a moment. Right. 
A moment is anywhere from a few seconds to, say, 90 seconds, as far as I can tell. So the past is just 90 seconds behind me, and the future is just 90 seconds ahead of me. So just from a time perspective, it's hard to live in the moment because before you know it, you're in the future, and <laughs> the moment you were just in is in the past. Right. So this living in the moment stuff is not for the faint of heart. No, it's something you you have to be intentional about staying there. You're not going to, you're not going to, what I'm hearing you say is that without effort, we're not going to be able to stay in the past. We're, we're going to have to be intentional about it. Yeah. Yeah. Mindfulness, mm-hmm. I guess, would be kind of a popular phrase, a popular word. I can be regretting what happened just a moment ago or what happened a lifetime ago. And I can be worrying about what's going to happen with my very next step or next week or the next season of life. But all that said, I found myself lately just after turning off the light and laying my head on the pillow thinking, Lord, this is the moment I want. Mm. I don't need tomorrow to prove myself or to justify my existence or to keep something bad from happening. Mm. And I don't need to go back into the day that's just gone by or yesterday or yesteryear to fix everything I've messed up. I just need you right now Mm. and your love for me. It's so good. When I was in my early 20s, it was a regular practice in my life. Not intentionally, but this is just what went down. And being honest with you, the day would end. I would go to bed and I would lay there and I would, I call it now self-abuse, but I didn't know that at the time. I would think about all the stupid things I did that day. Things I said, things I did, you know, where I was, I'm just a clumsy human being. And so times when I would like, I tripped in front of people or, you know what I mean? I'm just kind of awkward, like in general. And so I would think through all those things and embarrass myself about them, you know? And it's like, what an absolute waste of time. Yeah. And yet we do it. You know, we relive those moments. Yeah. And beat ourselves up over it. Or even like I've done this, even, you know, when that, when I moved on from that, there's still just like times where, I think, I wish I would have said this to that person in that conversation. I wish I would have responded this way. And there's a part of reflecting that helps us to be able to know how to step into the next moment, right? But we can also kind of just relive and relive and relive negative experiences, whether they were 10 years ago or an hour ago. Or or a few minutes ago. <laughs> or a moment ago, 90 seconds ago. Yeah. As you put it, right? And and there's nothing good or helpful or useful or beneficial about it at all. I think a really sweet step to take in this, to live in the moment, is to just say, in the moment, Abba, I belong to you. And just to say it again mm. and again and again and again. Abba, I belong to you. And the moments I live in the moment are very few and far between, (laughs) but I think I'm making some progress, a little bit of progress. Yeah, that's my goal too. And I feel like the message that I'm getting from the Lord recently, and my phrase, you know, you say, Abba, I belong to you. My phrase phrase that I say to remind myself to stay in the moment is, you're here Mm -hmm. right now. Right here, right now. You're here. God is a right here, right now God. And so, and I want to be with him. And if he's right here, then that's right where I want to be. So it makes me, it keeps me from wanting to run away to the past or run into the future to just know that he is present right here, right now. 
Yeah, it's freedom from regret. It's freedom from control. Hmm. It's free to live in Abba's love for you and me right now. Thanks so much for listening. Questions or comments? Text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930. 